You're listening to a podcast from St Bart's. To find out more about our church or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au. Well, it'd be great to have your Bibles open at Jeremiah chapter 31 as we continue in our Jeremiah series. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one too. So we've got plenty at the back. You can see an usher. But first, let's pray. Gracious Father, please give us your spirit. Put your word in our minds and write it on our hearts that you would be our God and we would be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you've heard the common wisdom that if your friendship has lasted for longer than seven years, then it will last a lifetime. Now, this sounds pretty amazing, but unfortunately we know that it doesn't always check out. Duration of time doesn't always guarantee that somebody won't let you down, that they won't hurt you, or that they won't act in a way that it's just not possible for the relationship to continue. And it's often those broken, long-term friendships that hurt the most. The story of the Bible is the story of God who longs for a relationship with the people whom he created. Not because he needs us, but because he loves us. But one side always fails and always disappoints. And of course, this isn't just a new problem, but an ancient one. Throughout the Old Testament, we witness God's people failing and even betraying their relationship with God. God has established a covenant with his people, a promise and a means, in order that they could be his people and he could be their God. But they constantly fail to live up to their responsibilities and their side of the relationship. That's plain to see here in Jeremiah as people, as God's people have betrayed their Lord and are now in exile. Yet incredibly, in Jeremiah chapter 31, we get a glimpse of how God will make an everlasting covenant with his wayward people. We see the broken covenant, the shape of the new covenant, and the way that God will provide. First, we see the people have broken the covenant. Remember, God's people are in exile because they failed to turn back to him. In this context, the Lord recaps their history and points ahead to their hope. So from verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, God makes promises for the people he has chosen. God makes promises, forms a covenant with Noah that the earth will not be destroyed. God makes a covenant with Abraham that he will be the father of many nations. 
God makes a covenant with Moses that he will deliver his people from slavery to the promised land. And God makes a covenant with David that one of his descendants will reign forever. God is a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. The covenants are promises made by God to his people to remind them of who God is and who they are in him. They are permanent markers and secure reminders that they can look back to. And that's why they would recount them, tell their children and their children's children, like a deed pointing to a home that you might own or a wedding ring pointing to the one whom you've married. The covenants point to whom they belonged and what it looked like to be faithful in that relationship. Covenants weren't one-sided. God may have always made the first move, but a relationship, a covenant, also requires a response. And that's where things get messy. For whilst God is the perfect covenant keeper, humans are continuously covenant breakers. Through Jeremiah, we've seen just how distorted and corrupted the hearts and lives of people are. They readily trust in the temple, but not the Lord. They boast in themselves, fashion idols, listen to false prophets. Their security is in their own wisdom, their own strength, their own riches. They refuse to listen to calls to turn back. They tolerate, promote, and engage in what is evil. Their ways are evil, and their practices are evil. The situation seems irredeemable. Earlier in chapter 30, verse 12, the Lord declares, Your wound is incurable, your injury beyond healing. There is no one to plead your cause, no remedy for your sore, no healing for you. All your allies have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. I have struck you as an enemy would and punished you as would the cruel because your guilt is so great and your sins so many. God's people have broken their side of God's covenant. The fault is not with the covenant. The fault is not with the Lord. The fault is with his people. It is the problem of sin. It is a problem we're unable to solve on our own. A few weeks ago, Clementine Ford re released her book called I Don't, presenting a case against marriage. Particularly for women, she sees that marriage brings harm, control and suffocation. So her solution to free women is to get rid of marriage altogether. But the problem, of course, is not with marriage. Getting rid of marriage won't solve the real issue because the problem is with us. Because we're sinful and because we're broken, whether we're married or single, we hurt each other and we stray from God. That's why throughout Jeremiah... 
One of the most predominant images that God uses to describe his people is like that of an unfaithful spouse. That's what his people had been to him. God has been a faithful husband, gentle, compassionate, and providing for all our needs, and yet we have disregarded his love. God's people have broken God's covenant. Yet in the face of this brokenness, God doesn't turn away, but he promises the new covenant, an incredible vision of a restored and flourishing relationship with him. So look with me from verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. The new covenant has three key features. It will be written on hearts and minds, means being his people, and includes everyone. The first feature of the new covenant is that it will be written on hearts and minds by the Lord. We often picture the heart where all our feelings and emotions are bundled up. So if you make a decision from the heart, it's really just influenced by your emotion. But in Jeremiah's time, the heart was where decisions of the mind were made, where you would decide the direction of your life. Your heart controlled the way in which you would go. And so the image of walking in the way of the Lord with all your heart and mind was actually already given to the people earlier in Deuteronomy. But the difference now is that the Lord promises to act. It is the Lord who will put his law in their minds and write it on their hearts. When left to their own desires, God's people set their hearts on evil. But the Lord promises to give us a new heart, that our desires would be set on him. Ezekiel expresses it like this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The second feature of the new covenant is being God's people. This phrase is repeated throughout Jeremiah and is the standard feature of God's covenant. I will be their God and they will be my people. God doesn't desire a relationship with us, with people to serve him, to make him look good, or because he needs the admiration of humanity. The Lord desires a reciprocal relationship with his people. And this is the trajectory of the Bible. From the Garden of Eden, where humanity is made in God's image, to new creation, where God will dwell with his people forever. 
At every step along the way, God makes a way for us to be his people. In just the next verse, when God speaks of knowing the Lord, this knowing is not just cognitive knowledge, but it's like the difference between knowing a celebrity and knowing your friend. Really knowing someone is when you purposely share your life with them. Being God's people means having lives that are shared and shaped in relationship with the living Lord. Being God's people means that the new covenant is not simply an individual matter. God cares about the individual, but he also seeks to renew and restore whole communities collectively together. That there would be shalom, restoration, well-being, wholeness and flourishing for all people. Here specifically, the new covenant is made with the people of Israel and made with the people of Judah. And God's promises include the individual, but they aim to form and renew a whole people. The third feature of the new covenant is that it is for everyone. So verse 34. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. The new covenant is for all people, from the least to the greatest. It is completely comprehensive. No one is forgotten. It is not only the strong who can grasp this new covenant, but God makes it clear that he will act and redeem for the weak and vulnerable too. God won't forget those scattered to different nations, but will draw people from the ends of the earth. It is comprehensive and focused on community together. As Chris Wright states, God's new covenant is for God's new society. Jackie Pullinger is a British woman who sought to serve God wherever God led her. And so she ended up in Hong Kong in the 1960s, serving men in gangs, women in brothels, the addicted, hungry and broken. She says that the problem with many Christians is that they have hard hearts and soft feet. Yet God calls us to have soft hearts and hard feet. Jeremiah speaks of transformed hearts that would love and obey the Lord. A soft heart is what the Lord longs to give us. If you've ever found your heart softening towards the difficult the needy or the poor, then that is the work of God. That is the work of the Spirit. A transformed heart will grow in sharing life with God, but also spill out towards and for God's people. If you haven't yet taken a step towards God, or you're not sure how to develop a love for God, you can ask God to come into your heart and transform you. And if you're a Christian and you're not sure there has been any change, 
or you're longing for change, then ask the Lord to continue to change your heart towards him and towards his people. Ask God to inwardly transform your heart. And this is a gift God loves to give. The idea of a flourishing, life-giving relationship between people and the Lord was never our idea. It's always been God's plan. God's purpose is that the new covenant is a gift, that it will be written on our hearts and minds, means being God's people and is for everyone. The new covenant is a relationship that you are invited into and to grow in. If you're a Christian, you already have this new covenant relationship. It can never be taken from you. Or maybe you haven't really thought about what God is offering or you're exploring what faith might look like. See, that relationship with God is a gift not something we can ever force. It's not something we can earn by our own good deeds. It's not something we can just claim. As Paul puts it, relationship with God does not depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. A restored relationship is on offer because God takes the initiative. God will make a way And God has made a way in Jesus. Verse 34. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Here we see the basis and the assurance of the new covenant is the Lord's total forgiveness. The wickedness and evil that had led the people of God into exile would be forgiven. When God says he won't remember, it's not like he's suddenly forgetful, but that he chose not to act on their sins. Forgiveness is not just a characteristic of the new covenant. The little word for gives us the clue that because people broke the covenant, God's forgiveness is the very foundation, the very thing needed for the new covenant. For the people of God, living in Babylon, facing the consequences of their sin, this complete offer of forgiveness would seem remarkable. How could God bring it about? At the Last Supper, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. At the Passover, the disciples celebrated how God had rescued his people from Egypt. And now taking the cup, Jesus shows how God will rescue his people from their sin. The words of Jeremiah, the hope of the new covenant that seemed impossible, come rushing together in Jesus. God will make a way for the forgiveness of sins for all people. Just as Jesus, the Son of God, dies for the sins of all people. Moments later, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus accepts God's cup of wrath. 
He willingly takes on himself all the wickedness and evil of humanity, lays down his life. That complete forgiveness of God can be given. On the cross, Jesus took all the failing of humanity in the past, all the failings of humanity that would follow, and even our failings that lie ahead. He's made the way for us to be part of this new covenant. If you want to rely on yourself, your efforts will never make up for the depth of your sin. And they're just too unstable to provide the deep, lasting assurance of God's forgiveness we need. So look to and rely on Jesus. It is only in his death do we have the perfect assurance of God's complete forgiveness. In the new covenant, God intervenes, God acts, And God has acted by sending us his son. In Jeremiah, the hope of the new covenant was foreshadowed. And in Jesus, the new covenant is launched. By Jesus' death and resurrection, he sends us the spirit of God, inwardly transforming us in the way of the Lord, in the likeness of Jesus. Left alone, we couldn't possibly hold our side of the covenant. So God intervenes. The Lord is so committed to a relationship with us that he sends us his son, that the spirit would write God's law on our hearts and minds, shape us to be the people of God, that all people would know the Lord. For God has provided the way for the new covenant In Jesus. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, we thank you for our Saviour Jesus. We thank you that a restored, flourishing and life-giving relationship has always been your plan. Thank you for your faithfulness, for not giving up on us, but making a way through Jesus. Lord, for anyone today that has not yet accepted Jesus' offer of complete forgiveness, please soften their hearts to lay down their own efforts and accept the only way to you, accept the way Jesus has made by his death for us. Lord, as a community, would your spirit continue to transform our hearts in love and obedience to you, that you would be our God and we would be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast from St. Bart's. To learn more or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au.